Welcome to the Outpost Podcast. We're currently in a series focused on God's hospitality to us and through us. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged in your walk as a disciple of Jesus. Enjoy. Okay, so hospitality is not about putting on a show. Like often we think about hospitality as something uh, that we are trying to entertain others and we can get ourselves in a spot where we don't practice hospitality because it's such an ordeal in order to do it. Hospitality is about inviting people into your life as it normally is. doesn't mean you don't clean up. doesn't mean you don't try with things. But we don't allow those things to become a stumbling block to stop us from actually loving people. And that word hospitality, the Greek word that only appears a few times in the New Testament, literally means stranger love. To love a stranger. And when we're practicing hospitality, we're bringing someone along that continuum from stranger toward family. Every act of hospitality, bringing someone closer um, to, to being family. And it's a beautiful thing to provide for someone else as though they were family. It makes a massive difference. Over the last few weeks, we've got to hear from, from Dave and from Christy and from Nick. And Dave inspired us with what can happen when we're willing to open our lives and open our homes to others. With stories of people that have come to faith because they were included in that kind of a way. Just game-changing hospitality. Christy challenged us to not neglect meeting together, that we would push into community as a discipline. Those times that we don't feel like pushing into it and it's, there's a bit of a fence there or it's awkward or we're finding it challenging with someone for any number of reasons. It's like, well, let's actually push into that space. It makes a world of difference. I had a group that I ran with today as I did the City Bay and it made a world of difference I ran a lot faster than I would have run if I had have just gone out and run that distance on my own. It makes a big difference when we have others that are going with us. Uh, My favourite African proverb, and yes, it is the only African proverb that I know, but it's a good one, is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And if you want to go far and fast, I would recommend going together as well. It works really, really well. Um, and Nick reminder, reminded us of the benefits of being a part of God's family. And that was the big focus. Let's forget not his benefits. What a privilege that we have been brought into his family. Forgiveness, acceptance, community. Those were the three things that he emphasized for us last week. Uh, I'd like you to open up your Bibles. We've got some spares that are here in the aisle, as is our custom. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to read the last 15 verses. So we're starting at verse 36 of Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read until the end of the chapter. So this is a bit of something that happened with Jesus, and it includes a parable that he tells. So Luke chapter 7, starting from verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited him, being Jesus, to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner 
found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. I ask that today we would hear what you have to say to us and we would put it into practice. Help us to be ready, ready to listen, ready to act. I commit the words of my mouth, I commit the meditation of each of our hearts to you. May it be pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah and amen. It's an interesting story, this one. Like my three-year-old daughter, Eden, she loves to like play under the table, under the kitchen table, and like play with our feet and mess around. This kind of sounds a little bit like that. You've got a woman who is at the feet of Jesus. And there's a few things that would be helpful for us just to look at for a little bit of context because we're a fair bit removed from this particular scenario a fair bit removed in terms of years and in terms of location. And so let's dive in in order to understand a little bit because she's clearly not invited. She's clearly not welcome and yet she's there and she stays there. At the time this is written, so first century Palestine, it was pretty common for um, those in well-to-do uh, homes that actually build them around a central courtyard and that courtyard is where they would often have these kind of dinners. Special dinners would be held there. And so because it's in the courtyard and the, the doors weren't shut, they weren't locked, you'd end up with the uninvited members of the community that were not only aware of what was going on, but they were able to kind of come in and out. And it wasn't uncommon to see people coming in and out from the meal. And probably the closest I can think of, closest parallel, is reality TV. That was their first century reality TV. They got to listen in to what these others were talking about. 
um, and being amongst them. But the idea was that you were a passive observer, not a contributor like this woman who comes in and oversteps the mark. You've also got um, them, you know, they would be on their left arm um, with their feet away from the table because uh, the feet, you know, unclean, they wouldn't have those near the table. Um, and then the right hand used to, to eat the food. And so for her to come up and stand behind Jesus, like she's away from the table in a practical sense, um, and in a very costly act, gives probably her most precious possession and wastes it all. We hear in a, in a different account, probably the same thing, um, but in a different gospel where she breaks the alabaster jar. Um, it's not a Ziploc bag, you know, it's not an easy thing to just sort of spray like once it's broken, you can't remake that, you can't get it to seal again. Um, the contents were to be used all at once. Um, it is a reckless act of, uh, of waste. But we do pick up the story partway through. So there is obviously something that has happened before this. There's some words that Jesus says that indicates that it's not the first encounter that they had. He says to her at the very end, your sins have been forgiven or your sins are forgiven. But earlier he says that it's because her sins had been forgiven that is why she loved much. So here she is loving much and it wasn't some transactional thing where Jesus says, because you have now done this extravagant act for me, I will forgive your sin. It is clearly the opposite. Because she had been forgiven, that's the whole point of his parable. The one who is forgiven much, loves much. And the, the money that was talked about there, 50 denarius versus 500, like a denarius is a day's wage. So that's almost two months' wages. So significant, right, for the lower amount and a year and a half or almost a year and a half wages for the higher amount. So big amounts of money, both forgiven, but the one who's forgiven more, the response is to love more. And so here is this woman who has met Jesus previously. He's definitely known to her and she's probably known to him. And it might have been a direct encounter. It might have been just in his teaching. It might have been that he'd healed her or something, um, but there's something that's gone on where she knows that she has been forgiven and she cares far more about expressing her love than holding on to her most precious earthly possession. And that's a pretty cool thing. Last weekend, I had my first ever snow trip that I paid for. As a 23-year-old, we went on a family holiday, all expenses paid thanks to mum and dad. So we were living in Tassie until I was 16 and up to that point would often do interstate holidays. But we didn't do anything like that once we moved back here to South Australia because our family was largely based around here. Didn't do any of those kind of family holidays. And then my sister was about to move over to China and so mum and dad went, let's do a family holiday to New Zealand. And so they, like, I went bungee jumping and not only did they pay for the bungee jumping, but they paid for the professional video and the professional photo that normally you wouldn't even think about paying for. Um, thank you, Mum and Dad. They also paid for me to go snowboarding this one time, um, and it was great. Um, but last weekend, it was me picking up the bill, and it's just it's completely different. Like, how good is it 
when someone else has your back and just covers it. Um, yeah, we all love a sugar daddy, don't we? Come on. So, as I said, three-point sermon coming your way. So, my first thing is that we are to accept. We are to humbly accept his gifts that he has given to us. Everyone needs a sugar daddy, hey? We need that source. We need some way of being able to continually have compassion. Otherwise, it dries up pretty quick. If it's just on us and it's our responsibility to keep manufacturing love or compassion, it's probably not going to last that long. We need an inexhaustible supply because there's a lot of need around us. Freely you have received, said Jesus to his disciples as he's sending them out on mission. Freely you have received. And what was his next two words? Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. The giving comes after the receiving. We are the recipients first and foremost, and we are to give. And it's not saying we only wait until we're feeling like we've received before we give, because there are times that in the act of giving, then we will remember how much we have received. There's a beautiful story, and many of you would know it, um, of Corrie ten Boom, and a time when she, who had been oppressed, so she was in a she was a prisoner of war, and she's humiliated um, in that prison camp. And one of the guards that she recognized came to her when she was speaking at a church years later. And the guard comes up to her to apologize. Like, you won't know who I am, but I was one of the guards. I'm so sorry. And she saw him and froze. And she wanted to punch his lights out. She's like, all this anger just came up of the humiliation that she'd experienced at his hands. And she didn't feel any sense of love towards this man, but she knew the right thing to do was to forgive him. So he reached out his hand toward her. And then she reached out and took his hand. Graciously took his hand. As she did that, she describes his feeling of God's liquid love just coming through her and to this man. It didn't start with her feeling loved. It started with her doing what she knew she had to do as one who has forgiven so much from God. So we don't depend upon our feelings, but that knowledge of the truth leads us to act in the way that we have been treated. So we follow what he has done for us. Let us forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103. It is an amazing reality, like what he has done for us. He has forgiven all our sin or iniquity, whatever it says on the screen. He has healed all our diseases. He has redeemed our lives from the pit. He's crowned us with love and compassion. He's satisfied our desires with good things. He is that utterly good. He is so good to us. Let us not forget all his benefits. We are in his family. He has brought us in. That is the foundation for all of this. It's not us trying to earn his approval. It is us celebrating that we already have it. And I appreciate there's so many stories in this room, like when it comes to our earthly dads, our earthly mums, uh, but it does so often seem to be that thing with dads, doesn't it? Like just stuff that it's hard to get past. Either they weren't there or what they did was destructive or they were just passive. 
There's just there's so many stories of, of pain when it comes to the dads. Um, and he sees that and he knows that. He knows your story. He knows what uh, you've gone through. But he's here to bring healing and wholeness that we would forget not all his benefits. He has done good things for us and he is right here right now for each and every one of us. And it is amazing. This woman was able to love so generously because she had been forgiven herself. We have another parable that Jesus told. Often it's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And again, it involves a debtor. So the king calls in someone who owes him money. This person falls at his feet, but it's a ridiculous sum of money. Could never, ever pay it off. And he begs for more time. But he doesn't get what he requested. He requested more time to pay it off, but he gets forgiven the debt entirely. Completely different thing. As a man completely forgiven his ridiculous debt, he then goes out, sees someone who owes him so much less than what he personally had owed, and he forces them to pay it back. This person says the same thing to him that he had said to the king, but he doesn't show mercy as in put in jail completely different I don't think he understood I don't think he understood that he'd been forgiven everything he was still trying to pay it off still trying to get stuff for himself if we realize that Jesus didn't loan us the money but rather he paid our debt we live different completely different it is done it is taken care of one person in this story um, is Simon and I'd encourage you to be like Simon. Absolutely, invite people over for dinner. Just like you invited Jesus over for dinner, invite people around for dinner. But don't be like Simon in a whole bunch of other ways that we see in this particular story. Simon had contempt for this woman and for Jesus. Second point is we need to acknowledge what we are still capable of. We acknowledge that we have sinned and are in need of a saviour, but we also acknowledge what we are still capable of. It is so common in this world to see people that will just say, I can't believe they did it. How could anyone do that? And we distance ourselves from others. And in so doing, most of the time it's about reducing someone else to subhuman because of what they've done, this unthinkable act. How could anyone ever do this? They're so low, they're scum. And sometimes about elevating ourselves to beyond human. And there's scriptural grounds for that. Are you merely human? Like we who are spiritual. So there is, there is some of that in the scriptures. But, you know, we need to come humbly and acknowledge where we've been, acknowledge what we've done, what we've thought, said, that that has actually caused pain to other people. We have been culpable, responsible. We need to acknowledge that, but also acknowledge that we are capable of sin. We are still capable of getting it very, very wrong. And when we see someone else, we don't, I love this line, don't judge someone who sins differently from you. It's very easy to minimize your own sin and maximize someone else's and focus on that and blow that up and like, oh, you got all these excuses for why you did that. But how could they? It's because they're evil, because they're this, that, and the other. We need compassion for others. And part of that is to acknowledge our own vulnerabilities, our own weaknesses. 
He didn't see his own sin. Simon didn't see his own sin. He was too busy judging hers. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is referring specifically to the law and this works mentality of trying to just get it done. But it's broader than that as well. We have been set free and it's not set free to sin, that is for sure. But we need to acknowledge our own sin, our own vulnerabilities. And the start of the next chapter says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't, you also won't be tempted. We want to be eager to free others rather than condemn them. It's not saying that we never call someone up. We see a brother or sister that stumbled in an area. It's not saying we never acknowledge that, but saying we don't judge them for it and we actually come to them with the hope of restoring them and an awareness of our own vulnerability as well. So there's a humility to how we restore someone else, to how we challenge someone else. And we're talking about it a fair bit on Thursday morning with our discipleship morning, just the, the log in the eye. Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye first so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brothers. So in that scenario, you are taking the speck out of your brother's eye, but it's after you've dealt with the log in your own. Really important that we are aware of what's going on for us. The third point is act. Let's actually put this into practice. Fill the gap. There is lack and we get to help meet it. Sometimes we're so quick to say, I can't do everything, that we end up doing nothing. Let's do something. Let's put it into practice and let's be a part of the solution. The beautiful story of the Good Samaritan. You know, sometimes there is someone that is in desperate need and they're on the side of the road right there. Let's decide beforehand that if we see someone in desperate need, that we'll actually prioritize their needs over our own. Make that decision. No, of course, that's what I'm going to do. And when it happens, act on it. As I said a few weeks ago, there's so much need that isn't right in front of us, though. And so getting to know our neighbors getting to know people, having them know that they can come to us in time of need will mean that we will see more of the need that is there. It's interesting that in this story with Jesus and this woman and Simon, we have the gap filled by this woman. This woman that was written off, she certainly wasn't invited to the the party, written off by Simon and it seems the whole community, she fills the hospitality gap for Jesus. Simon failed as a host, didn't give the proper greeting, didn't help Jesus to wash his feet by providing even water for him, didn't give him oil to refresh. And she fills the gap. Like she takes care of that. And it's this interesting giving and receiving with Jesus and this interesting blurring of the lines of guest and host with Jesus. Because there's plenty of times that Jesus isn't officially the host but he's acting like a host. And there's times that he's willing to receive hospitality 
from someone who is seen as scum, someone that's just written off by so much of the society? Are we willing to give and receive hospitality from the last, the least, the lost? Jesus was. And we should be as well. It's something that I am intentionally thinking about and seeking to practice. That it's not just the obvious people that I'm practicing hospitality with. Where is there a gap that I can feel, how can I help? There's a few stats we looked at a couple of weeks ago. I want to give a couple more. So 26% of Aussie households have a solitary person. Over a quarter of Aussie households have just one person living in them. And not all of them are lonely, but some of them are desperately lonely. There's about 6,000 South Australians who are currently homeless. And as of the end of June, just this year, 4,740 children were in state care. There has not been a year, uh, well, certainly in the data I was looking at, there has not been a year where the number has dropped in terms of the number of children, so 18 year, under 18, that are in state care here in South Australia. So basically in the foster system. We were having a discipleship morning over in the hall last year and um, Laura was here. Laura's currently up on the APY lands, Laura Davids, and she got a phone call during that time. And it was a phone call um, asking if she would come up and actually get on a plane that day to go up to the APY lands and take custody of Elijah, who many of us now know. Um, and she said yes. Um, she hadn't gone through the system of being uh, a foster carer. Um, she hadn't been pregnant with a child. Like she just suddenly ends up, ended up being a day later. Um, she had, you know, 24 hours notice um, in order to take custody of a child who's been in her care um, for like 18 months now. Um, and then his younger um, half-brother uh, has been in and out of her care over the last little while as well. Um, and I'm just like, if I had my hat on, like tip my hat to her, like amazing response to a critical need. Um, and it was a kinship arrangement, so it was requested by the family that it would be Laura because of a connection that she had with them. Um, and she honoured that and said yes. And in this area of foster care, like 4,740 kids, that is massive. And I haven't heard that many positive foster care stories, and I'm guessing you probably haven't either. And there are some. I want to honour foster parents who are doing an amazing job um, um, catching up with um, Gary DeKevitt. Do any of you guys know Gaz? Um, so they foster, I think it's three at the moment. Um, so they've got three biological kids and they've got three foster kids. I'm catching up with him in the next week or so. Um, and just how can I help? Like, where are things at the moment for you and your family and how can I help? And for us to seriously consider, can we foster? To ask that question, <laughs> can you foster a child? And if the answer is no, how can you get around someone who is? How can you support someone else? Because often it's that thing, I can't do everything, I can't do that. And we leave it as a no instead of a, but what can I do? How can I help those who have stepped into that space um, and to do that? And, I mean, we've had Laura and Elijah over for multiple nights. 
bunch of different times and just little things that we can do in order to support them because there is such need and we can't do everything for everyone but we can do something and what is that something for you in this current season there are some things we decide ahead of time yes if this situation arises i'm going to do it other things we just this is currently happening what can i do how can i be of assistance how can i help um, simple one for me was I went to uh, a friend of mine who lost his mum to, to suicide. Uh, he was an old high school mate of mine and I went along to the funeral and there was three of, like three of his mates that went along and he said to me reflecting a, a while later that if he had thought it through he would have invited a whole bunch more. Um, but just he didn't think of it. It was just one of those things he had never been in. I don't think he'd been to a funeral at that point. Um, and it just it sort of happened. And it's been something that I've sought to do. I haven't always got it right, but I've sought to do it. There's been an opportunity in COVID. I know it's complicated that a little bit, but to get along and support people in that way. Um, and if any of you are about to text King Charles and offer to be there tomorrow, feel free. Um, but get around people in times of need. And there's sensitivity that's required, but there's also just proactivity and our tendency here in the Aussie culture, 21st century, is that we hold back. And so for us, most of the time, it's going to be pushing through that and choosing to step out and seeking to help. Um, yeah, I've, I want to give you a bit of time to, to chat some things through. Um, Nick, if you can pop a slide up. Um, so two things I want you to, to discuss. Feel free to take a minute. Uh, reflect on this yourself and then and chat to someone next to you. This is a time where if you have someone in this room that you live with, then actually have this conversation with them. Because when it comes to hospitality, there's a great book that I've um, finished recently called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Um, and she talks about the analogy of marathon running. My ears pricked up and I was, I was there. I was with her every step of the way. And saying that when you're training for a marathon and there's two of you training together... You train at the pace of the slowest runner. It just makes sense. For you, in your practice of hospitality, you need to honour the people that you live with. And yes, that'll be your spouse, but it will be kids, parents as well. And so if one of you is just like, I want to have someone over every night, and someone's just like, maybe once a month, you know, it's not just about meeting in the middle, it's going at the pace of the slower person. And... So you're honouring each other and each going, all right, what does it look like for us to step into this space more together? And there will be, you know, sometimes just a releasing of one person to go out and practice hospitality uh, on their own, um, but often it will be together, like we're inviting people into our home and doing that. So take some time, discern together. But what have you learned about hospitality? What are you going to do about it? I'll flesh those out a little bit more on this next slide, but I want to give you that one just, that's as simple as you can take it. What have you learned about hospitality? What are you going to do about it? Um, consider these. What is something you've learned about God, Father, Son, Spirit? What is something you've learned about yourself in this process? Um, what's shifted in your attitude and or behavior already? And what's your next step? And how will you make sure that it happens? And with this, not something you're going to do anyway, you know, do something that is out of the ordinary uh, for us 
it's to, a simple step for us is inviting our neighbours um, to the local park, make some platters, take them down. We are going to do it yesterday, but the weather was rubbish, and so we are looking for a time to be able to do that. It's a simple thing, but it's a step in that direction of hospitality. All right, so I'll pray, and then we'll have a few minutes to do that. We'll take about um, 10 minutes, and then we'll sing. Father, thank you for your hospitality to us. Thank you that you have brought us into your family. You have adopted us, that we bear your name, that we are co-heirs with Christ. What an amazing privilege to belong to you and to experience the benefits of that. I pray that we would know that you are here with us. And as we're considering these things, I ask, Father, that um, yeah, it would come from a place of knowing that we have been forgiven. Our debt is gone. And we get to bless others. Hallelujah and amen. Question for all of you. I just have this concern that I've, when it comes to sin, that I haven't been particularly clear. Like my, my hope today was that we would understand that our sin has been forgiven. We are completely cleansed, completely free from sin. And it's not that we are to dwell upon our sin, but we are to be aware of our vulnerability to it. And so as we're considering others and seeking to love them, not judge them, that's what I want to emphasize. And I feel like I might have stepped into some unhelpful stuff in there, but just wanted to uh, clarify that. And I didn't ask you a question in the end at all. I'm just giving you a chance. <laughs> Rhetorical, hey? God bless you guys as you chat these things through.